Welcome to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Jay Stephen Lee is our guest this week. Greetings, Stephen. Greetings. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Uh, my name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun. I run the exoskeleton art space in Los Angeles and host infrequent art openings and events there. And I'm an experienced director at an interactive agency here in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, DIY engineer, and CAD CAM enthusiast and evangelist and noted tall person. Uh, I'm a he-his kind of guy. My name is Stephen Lee, and uh, I'm a graphic designer. Um, I currently teach at Portland State University. Um, and I don't know. I'm also into, I guess code-based uh, design, generative design, um, motion graphics. That's kind of my area. Word, yeah. And, and Steve and I worked together in Chicago for a spell. Uh, that's how we got to know one another. We also did a great, uh, Rob, I don't know if we told you about this, but a collaborative project where Stephen was traveling around. You were in Southeast Asia, right? I was in Thailand, yeah. Thailand, yeah, yeah. So he'd be in Thailand, which is roughly 12 hours away, and we were working on trying to get this video piece on this giant video wall in Hong Kong for the Isaiah conference. Oh, uh -huh. um, and it was like, I mean, the resolution was pretty teeny. It was a weird one. It was, you know, like 400 by 970 or something like that. But it was this giant, you know, like 100-story building. Um, so he would work on a processing sketch during the day or the evening or whatever and then flip it over to me. And because we were on the 12-hour difference, we could have somebody working on it essentially, you know, all day, all the time. It did not go through, but it was genius, I say, genius. Yeah. We've got that up our sleeves for some future iteration, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next, next time a, uh, a giant LCD screen of very specific proportions comes calling, yeah. we'll be ready with the, uh, the stinky harbor. I, I hear it happens very often. Yeah. That's, that's my <laughs> hope. Uh, Rob, I, you don't know Stephen uh, personally I as I do, no. but did you did you happen to have a question for that fellow? I, I have a, a sort of personal question, then I have a non-personal question. Ooh, the personal question. Well, it's not personal, but it's a uh, it's it's a question. I don't know if we'll make it in the podcast, but it's a question I'm just curious curious about. <laughs> which is, I know you did you did some work for uh, on the IBM Watson project. Yeah. Ooh. And I was wondering, did you work with people from Oblong Industries on that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. yeah, the, they're they're, yeah, they're in downtown. I remember, wow, it's it's been a while. I'm trying to remember uh, the people we worked with, but I'm I'm totally drawing a blank as you're asking me that. But I'm, I'm sure you you probably know. You said that you were at an interactive agency uh, in L.A.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, um, I know a couple people who work there, and they're real cool people. And... Mm -hmm. uh, the Watson project was a huge, long project for them. Yeah. It's like a massive, like 15 screen wall, video wall and mm -hmm. stuff. And I, and I saw the screenshots of your work and I was like, Oh, I've seen those people. Like they had a little test lab set up in one of their warehouse mm -hmm. spaces. And I was like, Oh, this is super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was neat. So it's really cool that you worked on that project. Cause that's, I was kind of just like, Whoa, this is, it's really cool that they sort of took what feels like, I don't know, interactive art or something and like yeah. made it a cool thing that a company would want to get on board with. Yeah. yeah. 
how, how was that? Did yeah. you, what what I was curious, curious like what also like what 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 stuff you did in the project? Oh, so I, I was mostly on the design side. So I was um, designing and I was design lead. So um, working with the clients, both IBM directly, and we had another, um, I guess, another intermediary that we worked with. Uh, we were mostly working in house, and then we'd go over to Oblong to test, like towards the end, you know, as we we're testing things out, seeing yeah. stuff on screen because it, the, the scale is. It, it was so weird working on like you know a normal computer screen and then thinking. Like, hey, this this type has got to be, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's going to be way too big at this scale, or you know, uh, just how things are reading, and even I don't know if you you said that you saw some shots of the um, the 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 warehouse, but they had sort of like hexagonal yep. kind of screen setup, like an immersive room. So like just yep. how to view things when you you're you know you have to turn your head like literally 180 degrees to see things, and um, yeah, so it was we were involved. Um, I was working with uh, an agency called Murata, and we were um, involved in the creative design side. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Is that is that work at IBM, like in New York now? Yeah. Um, so they had it was for their new um, headquarters in I guess they're calling it Silicon Alley, and uh-huh. so I I got a chance to see it afterwards, um, and and so yeah, I guess they used it to pitch to clients. Like it's sort of like. It's really, you know, you bring the client in and you walk, you walk them through the entire process, um, or you, you can show all the benefits. And, and part of the uh, the immersion room that that we called it was a uh, was talking about, uh, I guess, like or giving a few case um, case studies, you know, uh, to see how Watson could function. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. Is are there any vis- is there any visual documentation like links you could drop on the uh, on the chat with that? Yeah, yeah, okay. I think. Yeah, I think it's on my, I, there's a video um, on the Murata website, and I think it's on um, my site too. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, St- uh, Stephen, another thing I'd like you to reflect on, if you wouldn't mind, would be when we were working together, mm-hmm. I think we were in an institution and a, you know, a field in general that seems to be really interested in separating the art and design components. And I was just curious... Um, you know, now you're working at another educational institution. You certainly have the, you know, client-facing design shops. I think everybody would be completely confident thinking of this IBM project as design. Mm-hmm. You know, do you feel like, are you still sort of open? Like, do you need to hide that part of yourself at all? <laughs> your, your your willingness to maybe stretch beyond what would normally be considered appropriate for design? Or is that just my hang-up? Design is often reads to me as like a process of removing things that aren't designy um, from, from the mix, and right. you don't seem to feel that pressure. Am I right about that? Uh, I f- I feel that pressure. I think there's there's always like that that dilemma between being an artist and being a designer, and I think I think you're right that a, a lot of times design is sort of a distillation or you know a, an editing process. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for me, uh, one of the reasons why I, I think it's it's nice to be in uh, academia is it's, you're allowed a little bit more latitude as far as doing research or, or pursuing uh, something creative that that might not be that might not have like an end goal already object right. you know um, in mind. And, and I think with with design, a lot of times it is uh, you know you you. Tr- 
tend to latch on to what you're you're going after or like what the the problem is and you you kind of see it I, I think you do take like a wide approach in the beginning but you you it's like it's always like narrowing down um right. and kind of removing some of the ambiguity um whereas what i like about art or like you know just creative exploration is that that ambiguity that can kind of exist that tension or even just i think also trying things that you're uncomfortable with um Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point about removing the ambiguity. I mean, I think that's as someone who works at an interactive agency, and um, we are one of the things we always do is, I mean, that's probably like the bulk of our work, <laughs> you know, is like being like, "Well, this is what we did," and if we can't articulate like very clear reasons behind like every single thing, then that is an an opening for the client to be like, I don't get it. Like, or what, you know, like they're going to blow holes in it in various ways. Also, you know, depends on how, how good your relationship is with them. Um, And it's the thing I think in school, like, because it's weird because it's not about like defending. It can be about defending your work, but I think a lot of ways it's just like, what is your, you just have to be thoughtful about what you do, you know? And, and also, I think sometimes it's it's like as a designer, when you like pick a certain color palette or something, we do it just like kind of it just it just rushes through us through our experience and stuff, but then it doesn't we forget that like, oh, we have a thing we can articulate about what you know the colors we picked or something, but it just like if you're not if that's just not top of mind for you, it's like a quick, easy stumbling point where you're just like ah. ah. Like, and then they're, and they're like, well, why can't you make it more green or whatever? And, you know, you have a million good reasons. Sometimes they just don't come out. But like having well, that but Do you ever find yourself, but do you ever find yourself once you practice that, I mean, to what extent do you come up with the client facing reasons sort of after the fact, because the ultimate goal is just to mollify the client? You know what I mean? Like, is sure. that still, um, you're still doing your job, right? Because the the job is to make the client happy and part of making them happy is to save them from themselves. Right. So there are, there sometimes sort of, I hesitate to use the word lies, but it's like, is part of the, is part of the design challenge to convince the client that your idea is their idea, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Steven, what do you think? Yeah. I, I, th- I think, um, I mean, obviously there are ways where like you're really interpreting the client's uh, instructions a lot of times and and sometimes redirecting it or also inviting the client to, to, you know, come to a few insights that um, are the same insights that you had, you know, like let it leading them through, you know, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a big part of it too. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. Yeah. and then I guess what you're saying, like Taylor, you're saying something about like, uh, like at, uh, coming with, reasons like after the fact and I, I think yeah sometimes you might not think of those reasons uh in the moment but like but you know yeah i think they're embedded kind of in yeah. the design process like as you're working those thoughts are there and you just you have you might not have articulated them verbally to the client at the at that point but i think they can they can kind of still be uh manifest in the work are you guys treating me like a client right now <laughs> i will not i will not have this Taylor, we just want to you know will not stand we just want to manage your expectations oh man i'm in over my head dude (laughs) i mean i think i think um 
I think it's kind of the difference between a, like a seasoned designer and someone who's just starting out, right? Is like as a seasoned designer, you have heard a lot of the questions or at least the sort of ballpark of what qu- questions that are going to get asked. And you've kind of thought through like, I mean, sometimes you can even sort of do the off, the best offense. The best defense is a good offense where you're like, I know where they're going to go with this. And I want to, as you're, you know, jamming away in sketch mm-hmm. or Photoshop, whatever being like, I know this is going to come up. So I got to think about like why I care about this, you know? Sure. So you're so because it if you've already thought about it, it's so much easier to talk about it than if you if they kind of flip flip you over on your back, you know, and then you're just like, oh, now I gotta like walk my way out of like out of this in a in a tough spot, you know? They because they smell that too. I think you know, even if they're not being um, necessarily adversarial or something, they'll they'll sense that you're kind of flustered or whatever. Which is, did oh, did you fun. guys have trouble watching Mad Men because it just felt like work? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, did you follow that show at all? Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, it felt like it felt like work, but people were better dressed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And drank nicer alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh well, what's uh what do you guys drink in the uh interaction design world? Well, I think like hipster PBR. Well, yeah, or? no, I think um, I think <laughs> I think a lot of the like account type people and stuff in Mad Men were just like m- more nicely put together <laughs> than like when you think of like a a large agency account person. You know, they're kind of like a frat guy, and so mm-hmm. they don't they don't you maybe you know bring like a kind of erudite attitude towards. Yeah, dressing or or like a lot of them just don't have any design sense, even though they're kind of working in the design field. Um, uh, design adjacent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about like like ill fitting khakis and a braided belt. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. There's knit short sleeve shirt. Yeah. Boy, blousey even a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm no fashion maven. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Is the braided belt like? On the outside of the shirt, and is it like really long? Like you have to, you yeah. know, remember you have to like loop it. You gotta loop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta loop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I have a very very fond memory of some of these elements um, that at least one friend of mine who will remain nameless uh, continues to wear well into his practical forties. Nice. I'm not sure what to do about it. Stage a <laughs> a, a '90s intervention. Say, dude, you got to can it with the earth tone lipstick and all the way down the line. I just heard about a person who got a PhD in cargo pants. Cargo <laughs> cargo wear, I should say. Cargo a cargo pant, if you would, Rob. What program? What kind of program? Is this like the history of cargo I think it's pants? A, yeah, what level degree? Like, I think that's a fashion PhD, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think well, it's like PhD. Yeah, every little thing. Do you know this um podcast? It's a gimlet podcast. It's mm-hmm. it's quite good. It's um Coral Lichtman, I think. Who just sort of like nerds out like on every episode on like a thing that she's into it's it's really cool <laughs> uh yeah uh, it's called who killed cargo shorts <laughs> it's good it's worth a yeah. listen there's some pretty good cargo pant isms in there man every week i have i feel like two or three more podcasts that are just totally blowing my mind yeah um there's this one 
and you know it, it doesn't hurt to have Ira Glass be your boss and rep your shit. But the um, there's one called Journey to the Planet Zix. Oh, spelled Z Y X X, which is an improv science fiction podcast that I've been digging, and um, I think also Glenn Washington, the guy that does um, uh, Snap Judgment, is hosting one that's kind of serial like in an investigative way. That's all about Heaven's Gate, and that. Oh, that sounds incredible too. Yeah, I, I really like the Evans Gate story. Oh, so weird. Yeah, super weird. No, I remember being in college and seeing it, and then just thinking, "Oh, that's nifty." And then later, when you heard about Stephen, are you are you familiar with the whole thing, like what the Heaven's Gate folks were found with and all that when they all off themselves? Oh wait, now I'm getting it. I I got I got kind of lost. Uh, the the cult guys who were wearing like the the sneakers. Yep. Yeah, yeah, was that. Had, and they all and had drank a, the juice or something. Well, or they all they? had a roll of quarters. I I can't remember if it was like to make telephone calls <laughs> or what. Got to get on the bus. Yeah, was it was it for a bus? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like to punch somebody. But yeah, but they yeah they all had the sneakers and I and I think I'm assuming it was um, some kind of poisoned juice or something like that but um they were web yeah, I'm curious to see yeah. if that one's any good yep glenn washington is one of those people that just i mean i go back and listen to these podcasts and i feel like oh you know our content's pretty good but man i just do not have a voice for radio <laughs> yeah <laughs> whereas he, he sure does you, you get someone like him and i feel like uh yeah just i mean he could just you know recite the alphabet or something and it sounds interesting yeah yeah rob i feel like i could talk to you guys all night but we should probably talk about our contributions to yes the greater culture and you are first i'm first tonight so uh i would like you guys to take a look at these things but let me pre- uh, let me preface this fact with some dog ate my homework excuses uh-huh. are you ready uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> so so this week i was building up to my project and then so we're in a new house and we had this um record rain in chicago oh and my basement was flooding, and so Audrey and I had to set our alarm for every half an hour, and all night we had to run downstairs and mop oh the basement. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, is that bad? And then uh, a couple days later, Audrey got pickpocketed. Oh. <laughs> and so she was so mad, because we've been in Chicago for 15 years, um, and uh, some guy grabbed her wallet out of her purse while she had her purse right next to her leg at the coffee place on Michigan. Oh. Um, so we had to, like, cancel our bank accounts and start them back up because they took a checkbook, too. So um, oh. so I feel like normally I turn in something that's a little more weighty, although I'm, I'm, still, I'm still pretty excited about the thing that I'm working on. I just need to, I need to carry it on past this episode. Oh. Um, Mine has a similar aspect. And that, <laughs> and that it's going to extend beyond this episode, but yeah, nice. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, I did the thing which I tell every one of my students that I absolutely hate when they do, <laughs> which is to say, "Here's the reason why um, you shouldn't be mad," and I hate my project. <laughs> okay, now go. Now go ahead. And <laughs> now take a look. look. So I'm looking at image number one. It looks like, I don't know, some paper that's kind of rolled up, creating kind of like a box yep. or something. Yeah, like a, almost like a, um, it's a kind of edgeless like backdrop photo. kind of. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then I'm seeing 
a zoomed out picture, I guess, of that of that box. Yeah. And it looks like a little mini mini photo studio. Um, there's a box, or there's like a I don't know some rectangular podium or something. You're, like the, you're looking at image number three. Image two. Image two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, and then I guess image. I don't know if image three is that that piece in the center, or maybe a different piece, but kind of a a more organically. Uh, it, it looks like the edges are like softened out with sandpaper or something. Yeah, and the boxes, the box is like twelve by twelve. Would you say? Uh-huh. It's like a twelve by twelve cube. Yeah, and it's like yeah, it looks like some it. sort of. It almost has like a wax paper kind of paper where, and then there's like uh, clip lights sort of illuminating it. Um, so the inside of the box kind of looks almost like a two thousand one a space odyssey ending, like or like an Apple Store. Kind of everything has a kind of soft white, you know, throbbingy white LED kind of vibe, even though it's um it's much more nineteen seventy construction than that, you know. Um I don't see an LED in sight. Uh and yes, there is like a little podium y looking object, like a little what would you say? That looks like the size of about one, two, three, three or f- maybe four starbursts. Stacked on top of another, but it's but it's wood, and uh, you also use the starburst me- uh, unit. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Some people are are really pushing for metric, but I'm pushing for starbursts. Well, it's it's tough because the rest of the world has metric starbursts. Yes. So oh it, no. It's, it's really oh, <laughs> oh, the double whammy. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of some great like uh, post-Soviet starburst flavors, <laughs> like a like dirty beet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd try one yeah man beets are good it sounds better than those gross um jelly Boiled jelly cabbage. bellies the ones that are flavored well, they're, spo- they're gross on purpose yeah yeah and they are so I- image number three is steven talked about this already a little bit it's like kind of um almost like shaped a little bit like a human head but much more cylindrical it looks kind of hand carved or sanded. Um, that's what I'm seeing there. And Stephen, here's our our starburst zoomed in. Oh, yeah. Oh, what? so you get a sense of the scale. Looks like there's one of those uh, hooks or what do you call these? Like an eye hook. It's like the yeah, like yeah. The, that you get at a hardware store. Yeah. Um, and a piece of string attached to this looks like maybe like the top of or like like the cord for uh for blinds or something like yeah it's got like that little plastic uh, nib i guess on that the, is exactly what it looks like yeah yeah you nailed it yeah it's got like a little exactly crimped, what it is oh cool wow <laughs> like a crimped on how do you think those little plastic pulls are attached it's like a crimp or a knot with like a little plastic i think cap. there's probably a, a knot at the end yeah. and then you you it's almost like a bead, yeah. like it comes on like a bead, I guess. Yeah, like a braided nylon cord with a little, yeah, plastic, like kind of beige bead on the end. Yeah. And that's like what like you would sweet hold. braided belt. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It all comes back to the braided com- belt. Yeah, it always does. Oh. Callbacks, man, callbacks. Oh. The last image, Stephen, what do you see there? There is. So it's it's that that element that we saw the podium being held yep. by by a stuffed animal yes. a small puppy yep. which is being held by a small person wearing 
a green sweatshirt. <laughs> An anonymous I'll, small person. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like a light blue um, long sleeve t-shirt underneath. Some, <laughs> is that is that uh, acid washed jeans or is that just like a grayish kind of maybe sweatpant kind of if, thing? If I can find her tiny acid washed jeans, I'll be all over it. Yeah, they're like, Keep your eyes peeled in Portland. I mean, they're like kid pants. That, I don't ever know what to call those, but like little yeah. kids have little pants that are like don't fit into the categories that we adults have. Yep. Like they're kind of stretchy, but they're not mm-hmm. tights. Like yeah, I don't know. Kid pants. And yes, purple sure. socks, which are super cool. So this toy th- there's a toy Dalmatian. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm losing the I'm and somehow the Dalmatian is connected with this nylon cord through. So don't worry so much block. about the Dalmatian. Okay. The the the, <laughs> the Dalmatian's uh, proximity is a uh, is just one of the perspective of the photograph. Oh, okay. Oh, so I so cute. I encourage you guys to come back around to micro democracy, and if you can figure out how this fits into that theme. So, so one one thing I'll say is that to actually demonstrate that I did something this this week, <laughs> I got I got started making the photo box because I knew I wanted to photograph small objects. Oh, uh-huh. so yep. so the the first two pictures. Are you guys familiar with this term, shaving the yak? I've heard the you phrase, know, you, but I don't uh, know what it's for. It's like you go into the garage to get the rake and then you realize the garage light bulb's out so you go to change it but when you're looking for the light bulb you find this other thing and that on and on and on so so my my primary fabrication for this project was the light box to photograph the objects that did not (laughs) (laughs) that were not manufactured but the uh the interesting thing i found so i i made the light box and then i illuminated it and i found the paper was a little thick so my light bulbs weren't cutting it so I went and bought some LED light bulbs. And then if you take a look at the first image, those um, striations you see, those aren't actually wrinkles in the paper. Oh. I think it's the um, the LED frequency yes. of the light matching up with the, the shutter speed of the digital camera. Yep. And so you would get these. Um, that was the, the iPhone. I couldn't get those out of the iPhone. I had to use a different camera that didn't have that same kind of... Um, uh, I don't know if it's like the speed at which the CCD gathers information or what, but it wasn't playing well with that frequency. So if you focus on the three, four, and five, yep, right, you have those two wooden pieces, yep, and then the fi- the fifth image shows the uh, the child. And so I take one more pass at this micro democracy thing. Ooh. So I'm curious about the first image. Because it's like, um, it, because we don't see it in the last image and it's a, it's a sort of, it looks like a handle of sorts or something like that, but it's sort of disembodied. And then we see the wooden block. Mm, I'm stuck. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to figure out what this uh, image three is in relationship to all this. There's one more image I can send you guys that might clarify Ooh, things. Yeah. 
Let me give this a try. All right. Incoming. Cool. I didn't realize cargo shorts were killed. I think I'm wearing some right now, actually. <laughs> yes. Killed. All right. Yeah, check that image out. Oh. So we're seeing a new image. Taylor has uploaded. Looks like five smaller blocks of it, like um, similar to the one that has the yep the cord attached to yep. it, without any of the the attachments. Uh huh. And is that cocaine in the background? <laughs> oh yeah. That <laughs> looks like a PVC pipe. Has been cut. That was because, oh, the other thing that happened was uh, our sewer backed up and oh uh, put a bunch of uh, human feces into our backyard. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, I replaced, so we dug down in there because in Chicago you can still find these ceramic pipes, right? Yep. And it turned out that um, the Rotorooter guy found that someone had taken this 16-inch length of ceramic pipe and broken it and then put it back together with a zip tie and then put it back in. Yes, <laughs> the one zip tie, and so uh, that PVC back there is my uh, my sort of white trash attempt at keeping the poop from flowing into my yard. That's great. So ignore that, Stephen. I'm still stuck. How about you? Uh, I'm trying. Well, so is there a, a narrative here that we're trying to uh, figure out, or is this, or we're just trying to figure out what? This object is. You guys got most of the way there, and I, d I don't blame you because I don't have the full um, demonstration here. But but the idea I had was to um, try and fit. Like I've been doing a lot of thinking about communicating with my toddler, uh -huh. and so she's two and a half, and she's learning how to talk, and it's really interesting to think about, you know, like like trying to imagine how you conceptualize ideas in your head without being able to imagine them in words is really blowing my mind you know and so so she's trying to com she's trying to learn how to communicate and communicate at the same time and it's just it's amazing that that takes place <laughs> so i was trying to think of like what are th so so basically you wind up um inducing behavior with them in a way that they can't wriggle out of it right like you can say come over here and then they can run away, and you can chase them, and that's fun, and then you've lost that battle, right? Uh-huh. But if you can find a way to teach that one lesson where you're like, eat your dinner, and they say no, and then you say, okay, you're not eating until 8 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> like, that's that's like a fundamental thing that they want, right? And so, so, like, you're trying to find ways to break through to those sort of essential feelings and concepts that they have. And so my idea was... If I just took a standard unit, which would in this case would be a piece of wood that's like an inch square and two or three inches long, so I made a bunch of these fundamental units, and then I thought, I'm just going to manipulate each of them in some way, and then I'll present my kid with two choices. So I'll say, like, try this one, which I've carefully sanded and is rounded with oh, a sharp edge. Uh -huh. like, well, not a sharp edge, but you know, one edge is pointy. Like, so that's one object that feels a certain way. 
And then here's another object that's totally unadorned, except it has an eyelet and a lamp cord hanging off it. Like, which one do you want to play with? And so the um, the thing I liked about it is that she'll just be attracted to one over the other. And there's there's no need for me to talk to her about what they mean or anything. She'll just grab one. And then I can take that and say, oh, okay, like if she's more attracted to the lamp cord one, you know, I spent half an hour sitting there sanding this other thing and she just doesn't care at all. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, so I should focus instead on like adding hardware and doohickeys as opposed to making some kind of really organic shape. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, so the idea is like a basketball bracket. Uh-huh. You can sort of imagine putting all these designs up against each other and then winnowing them all down until you get the kind of like er design that somehow you know tickles her brain in a really fundamental way. Yeah, yeah, like like and a then, preference uh, sort of chart or something. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, I see. So, so this is in a way a system for for you to better understand her needs. And maybe also for her to understand what she likes. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. And what she what she picks up, she, she's like essentially voting for that something of that, uh, I, I guess, style, right? And so you're you're kind of winnowing down, as you said, to the, like the, a final form. Yeah, and then I need to figure out. You know, I mean, clearly there's going to be a lot of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? I mean, there will be limitations that I'll be adding sort of just by necessity. Like here, I'm starting from all wood. And so do I need to introduce different materials or is it about shape or is it about texture? And so part of it will be influenced just by the things that I pick to explore. Yep. yep. And then the other part will be picked by, she'll just decide, I like this one versus that one. Right, right, right. Yes, I'm already very excited. Yeah, Rob, you want to start? Sure. The first, so the first image is, um, I would say, very simplified or glitchy kind of looking. Um, lots of like sort of um, square, very very enlarged pixels kind of feeling. I'd I'd say more generative than glitchy. Generative, yeah. yes, right, yeah, yeah. Good good call. And at first, I thought. To that point, I thought it was almost like a generative map or something, like a map level or something created. Uh, but then the more I stare at it, it might actually be a human head in the middle. I think it's definitely a figure, yeah. Yeah, like a like a person's, like a almost like a selfie that's been um, created or sort of woven together somehow or something. Ooh, this. So there's a de- there's yeah. a definite limited palette. Yep. So Rob was referring to pixels. However, each pixel is not just a uniform square of color. Each square has an opportunity for one of a limited set yep. of sort of almost like notations. Yep. So there's um, the colors can change. So there's a lot of blue and flesh tones yep. and red. Yep. And then so there's all white, and then there's a colorful pixel that has a red dot. Yeah within it and what other 
language elements are you seeing there, Rob? Yeah, that's like, and all all of those ones with the dot have a kind of beigey brown color palette range for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's some of those that look like that, and they have, but they have a red line across the bottom. Um, and then there's also blue and white lines. Yeah, solid blue chunks and solid white chunks, and then one with an X through it, and then. There's two new images now. Oh, okay. Let's... The second one is even more uh... sort of geometricized, uh, very cuby, squarey, flat, two-dimensional feeling. The black... pixels are larger. Yeah, black dot in every one, but similar, similar-ish white and but lots more white and black than beige. And then the next one. Oh, looks even more, I'm trying to see, oh, it's a combination of the two palettes, I think. Maybe it's like, yeah, that sort of create more nuance and detail in the third image. That's what I'm getting from it, Taylor. Do you see anything else? Uh, There's the addition of um, outlined circles that happen occasionally. Yeah. It's only about seven or eight of them. Yep. Uh, the frequency of different things changes, right? So there's many fewer. Yes. So there's graphical elements that come in the form of very skinny lines. Yep. And we have very few very skinny lines in that third image. Uh, significantly more in the first image and almost none in the second. Yep. Um, and I'm starting to lean towards this is actually some kind of live i mean it's it's possible that it's just doing this based on a still but i'm assuming that it's just taking steven's um uh webcam off his computer Uh uh and either with periodic images or a live readout nice he did the um he did a uh, a version of the obama hope graphic (laughs) Uh processing is my guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah steven how'd we do yeah, um, basically what I did is I yeah I created um, a processing sketch uh, that was taking the video feed and and looking at ways to uh, abstract it and uh, you know um, kind of th- like throw some randomness in there as well and just playing with you know the scale of the size of the pixels or or the I guess the base unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have, I have some other ones that I'll kind of I guess throw in there as as I. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about it but I, I think uh i like how you're um taylor you're, you're talking about the different references um to like the obama work or you know mm-hmm. other sort of other i guess cultural references and um i guess like for me i was i was thinking about the challenge um you know of, of micro democracy as as like when i was first reading up about it it was kind of like uh using technology to enable a sort of voting process that, you know, like every decision could be voted on or or by everyone um, or Mm -hmm. um, serve. And to me that, that spoke both to like this, this idea of technology, but also of like getting really granular about things. And so I guess that for me, like I was viewing it through that lens, like um, uh, I guess dividing like the, the video feed into these different size chunks. Um, And then I think also like looking at, the uh, the image of like or like your one's identity as sort of this 
um, collection of red and blue or, you know, different, uh, like mm -hmm. highly politicized, um, I don't know, impulses or thoughts or gestures. And, and like, I think like, especially now where I feel like the country's so divided that, uh, I wanted to kind of play off that and, and start to, I don't know, weave that in there. I feel like you're sort of gerrymandering your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, the, oh, uh, go ahead. I was just curious, is this, oh, just, um, yeah. Is it a live feed and these are stills from it? Yeah. Or are these is, sort of created through a still? Uh, oh, give me the video, baby. It is a, Let's see the it video. Is a live feed. I mean, I haven't, I haven't saved the video out yet. I, so what I did is I was just trying, I was playing around with it and then I was, I just had like a, um, a, a key press command that like when I pressed a button, it would, it would save out the still. I, oh, cool. I probably should do either like a screencast or, you know, something where, where it shows it in action because it is, it's got a little bit of jitteriness. There's some stuff that's, um, randomized, but most of it is looking at the pixel brightness and, um, mapping the color or the shape, like, you know, uh, accordingly. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Do you feel like that's the same technique loosely that Shepard Fairey used for the Hope image? Like, is it like no. as you were working through this, did you get similar results looking at the original photo, or is it? Oh, I, I think his his uh, was done by hand or like on the computer. Like, I don't I don't think it was generative in that sense. But I, I yeah, I liked, right. Like for me, um, yeah, bringing I originally had it uh, in just red, white, and and blue, and then I started to weave in that uh, second blue, um, that like lighter blue, because uh -huh. uh -huh. it, you know, I, I, because it sort of felt almost like like uh, you know, like that that blue, that cyan that you see in like sort of um, 3D or like multi-channel images. Um, yeah, uh -huh. uh, and then also the reference to uh, Shepherd Fairy. And and are you familiar with the whole uh, thing about how that image was ripped off of a picture that included George Clooney? Yeah. Oh, it, of a photograph? Yeah, just, I mean, it was, it was great. There was some kind of legal battle where the photographer and the AP and um, and Shepard Ferry, they all sued each other in like a, like a three-way suit, um, which was just kind of preposterous. I don't know. Yeah, he really mm. choked on that one because he tried to kind of cover it up, as I remember right. Like, oh, fairy. Yeah, that he tried to say like, no, I didn't use the photo, and then the photographer yeah, was on, like, dude. here's my photo. What do you mean? You know, like it was. Yeah, I don't. I don't. A little too yeah. easy. Yeah, it would have been the, the. Yeah, it seems like the thing to do would have could have just been like, yes, I use your photo. Sorry, you're bummed about it good luck trying to sue me for this, you know, kind of thing as opposed to like, no, I didn't do that. Like I didn't do what you're accusing yeah. me of. I would just say like, yes, I did what you're accusing me of. I could have been more thoughtful about it. I don't know, but you know, I'm sure he's probably <laughs> lawyered up and lawyers would never tell you like to admit to the thing that the person's accusing you of. So for me, like I, I don't see it as like, I, my intent wasn't to like, like create that graphic look. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I think that's maybe a reference that we build into. And I think actually this maybe like dovetails into that earlier conversation we we're having about yeah. like art and design and like, you know, uh, would this, what, what kind of brief would this, would this, uh, totally. visual solution yeah. solve? And I, and yeah. I think for me it, it was like in a way, like 
uh, it was interesting to work on this because I, I feel like there wasn't a client necessarily. Like it was a very open-ended thing. And initially I, there was some discomfort. I was like, oh, and that, this is so open. I don't like, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> how do I start with this? And um, like for me, I guess to walk you through what I was thinking about, even just from the yeah. beginning, I was sort of like, well, I want to do something that ad- like addresses this idea of the individual having the ability to to vote like in in on a number of issues right and so i was in the beginning i was thinking like oh should i do like make currency or like make maybe even like make a, uh, a stamp that you could like put on a dollar bill or something and like uh-huh. like that yeah, nice. that could be your way to vote on a certain issue you know so there's something mm-hmm. about um having i guess taking an individual and breaking that individual down into uh, ballots or dollars or, you know, some, some other aspect. And then I was trying to loop in technology. That was the other thing. Like I was, cause I was thinking, well, you know, people, I think that the, the idea of micro democracy is, is sort of enabled by technology. So I was like, how could I create something that works like that? And, and then I think given the time frame too, like I can't, I couldn't really come up with like an app that would allow this or, you know, some large scale, uh, solution. So I, I was mm-hmm. kind of trying to look at it in an sort of procedural way or like something that like that referenced it maybe, you know, um, obliquely. Uh-huh. And so that for mm-hmm. me, that that's where the idea of, of sampling it, uh, sampling an image um, and abstracting it and, you know, cr- creating that almost like binary opposition came in. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, totally. Steven, did did you try other colors at all through this? I was just curious, like how I was. If, if did red, white, and blue come up because of like America, or did it come up through just sort of experimentation? It it I think that it was in my mind from the very beginning. Uh-huh. I think I was playing yeah, with yeah. the balance of like like I think one of the yeah the first image was sort of like figuring out how much of the original image I wanted to keep and how much you know yeah. abstraction. And like, you know, I have, I have a bunch of these that, you know, I just pulled a few that I thought were like interesting stops along the way. Um, yep. and yeah, so I want, I definitely wanted that in there. I think what I landed on was I, I, I wanted to have that range of something really abstract and then something that was, that kind of had that fidelity that would read more clearly. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. And then I, I guess the one last thing I was thinking about too is, you know, this idea yeah. of, um, you know, uh, the reason I I was doing, I mean, I guess there's probably two reasons why I was doing these like video feeds of my face. One is that it's just readily available, but the other one is like this. I wanted to like explore this idea of like your your face being some sort of like so, something that could encode data, or you know, like this this somehow would would represent visually you, but also maybe like your your choices in in a bunch of different ballots or you know different different things like that oh yeah that's cool yeah it's like and that people like yeah you could encode something about yourself in your own image mm-hmm. and like you know and maybe there are i mean this is just you know an exploration but you know like would would certain shapes be used in place you know would the, would the abstraction actually increase if, if like you voted a certain way or vote or or you know were for a certain idea or for a certain political party yeah, yeah. Did you um, did did either of y'all dig in to the um Malka older book that Ranjit talked about? As I did kind not. Of I was totally remiss. So I have a 
thing that is definitely there's some reading involved um uh i think maybe the thing to do is for me to post the link it's a website mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. y'all maybe take a minute to sort of skim through it and then talk about sure. what it is if that's cool with you guys How did you come up with the the questions that you're asking, like for these posts? Are, the, are these in the in the book, or that are like? No, yeah, the, the questions. So the how I came up with the questions um, are, I sort of extracted the question from the experience. Mm-hmm. So I so something happened to me. I would something would happen to me. So I would sort of go about my day, and I would kind of make notes about things that are happening. And then I would take that and be like, okay, that's the thing that I want to act on. And then I would sort of try to distill down what the question is in how, how I acted. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is part of why you said this needs to be an ongoing project. Cause the yeah. two weeks isn't really enough time for this to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And it took me like a week to come up with, with this idea and then sort of figure out how I wanted to execute it. So, all right, so so to start to describe some of what we're seeing, yeah. is Rob is um, taking a a more heady approach, perhaps <laughs> than Stephen and I did, and uh, trying to imagine. So so the micro in this case is making small contributions, um, but on a on a more frequent basis. So you know the average person may or may not vote for president and then leave everything else alone. Yep. Whereas in this case, it's like noting that a micro community like the people in a conference room needing access to the power plug, one could regard that as having a more distinct effect. Totally. I mean, yep. Where does that quote come from? Where you, you know you, you first you give first in your own community before you reach out to other communities? Oh, I feel I, I don't forget know. who was talking about that. Um, yeah, so some of them seem like I, I mean, I think you note in there that uh, there's the the threat of the uh, first world bubble, but then again, that's where you live. I mean, particularly mm-hmm. in L.A. Yep. yep. Um, so the fact that you know, uh, talking about the number of outlets that are available, I mean, that is important within the context of a particular room. If you know, if not an earth shattering yes yeah. concept that'll you know keep you awake at night or something but yeah but one has to ask like does it always have to be that earth shattering right Stephen, what are you seeing uh well can i uh, can i respond to like i guess like my my impression or like my thoughts just yeah yeah please because i i think like like i i I think anyone like this website will be available to be looked at yeah so for me like what i i like um the tone that this is setting, I, I feel like this could be a really interesting project to follow, you know, and, and like, and just to view it in a, uh, like sequential way, like every day, like if, if you went on and like, I got like, you know, an RSS feed or something and I could see this, mm-hmm. or if you tweeted this, you know, and we could follow it. Like, I think that that's like a really, there's something very uplifting about all the things that you've do, you've documented and, and sort of talked about. It makes me think a little bit about like the, that idea of uh, 
I don't know what does I feel like design is or at least from I guess the way I was approaching this project I shouldn't say design but for me the way I approached this was thinking that I had to have a, a, like a finished output and I like mm -hmm. how this right. doesn't have like a, an end necessarily I think that it's you've created a framework that can just keep going and going so I'd like mm -hmm. that a lot yep it also feels totally exhausting <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually it's only been a week and it totally is <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, which i don't think it's a bad thing but we were talking to ranjit about this where um with his you know one instrument every day for a month times 10 years yep and and that's that's part of what makes the project engaging and it's also part of as a producer you look at that and just like oh god yep. <laughs> like imagining actually doing it but because i was talking to steven i don't know if you listened to our episode on whiteness but I was talking to my wife about our episode and she reminded me that my project was based on an article that Tanasi Coates wrote, but that was also an excerpt from a book. And she's like, well, did you read the book? <laughs> I thought, oh God, <laughs> you know, I, I guess I only did do that, you know, do the project, which had, um, I was making noise about this sort of larger uh, process of growth, but it did somewhat end within the context of our two weeks. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. How long do you think you could keep it up, Rob? I'm going to try to go for... I'm going to see if I can match uh, Ranjit's um, run, which is a month. But I started on the 14th. Times uh, 10 years, plus yeah, a leap year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 ex yeah exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm going to try to just go for a month and see if I can do it. And then I mean, I think what's nice about his project is you have the rest of the year to convince yourself you should do it again, you know? Yeah, right. And then and then you sort of ramp up and like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then you sort of are, give yourself 11 months to forget what a pain in the ass it is, and then you go for it again. See, that, that's what they say about um, humans and childbirth, is that we're good at forgetting painful situations. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing is that I haven't done anything today, and I'm most nervous about that because it's... It's late. <laughs> I have to cook up with something. Yeah, it's six and a half minutes from my perspective. Oh, yeah. Luckily, I'm not on Central Time. Yeah. I wonder, too, like, with a project like this, do you think you'd... Do you always give yourself a brief in the beginning of the day, or do you ever kind of go back and be like, what's one thing I did that was, like, you know, helpful for my, yeah. my community? Like, you could go back and be like, oh, that, that time I interacted with that person or I, I helped someone out, you know? And then yeah, that, the, you, there's like this kind of going backwards and writing the brief, at, you know, after the fact. Yeah, the questions are all going backwards. So like none of them, the questions oh, so are sort of a, a distillation of, of what a you kind did. of bigger concept. Yeah, what I did. The mm -hmm. um, but it it switches up. So like the the person who I saw who had hit the same pothole I had hit and popped their tire, mm -hmm. um, I thought to myself, I was like, man, I should. I should figure out how to contact the city about that stupid pothole because it like pops your tire in this way that like a patch isn't going to work. Cause it's like a, you know, it just destroys your tube. Mm -hmm. And, um, at first I felt bad feel, because I rode past yourself, the person. Man. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I, it did remind me Taylor of your project. Unauthorized, Unauthorized repairs. repairs. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, which is a great project that Taylor did, which is, um, sort of, uh, I would say it's a project that sort of outlines um, 
it like outlines a repair in the wild. Like, I don't, I don't know. How do you describe it, that project, Taylor? That one, well, I think, uh, so I'm trying to uh, do a bunch more of them this year while oh, I'm cool. on sabbatical. Yeah, cool. And I, and I encourage you guys to participate if you're interested. But the idea is just to find something that um, could be repaired, and that's a very loose definition. Um, so in some cases, it's just this pot, pothole really needs filling. Yeah. Um, do you guys know the dude? There's a dude in Chicago who fills potholes, but when he's doing it, he makes a mosaic that yes. looks like a piece of ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> this, this guy is so cool. And he just does it. And it, like his form is so universally attractive. There's nobody that thinks it looks bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he just does it and no one ever bothers him and he never asks for money or anything like that. And I just really like his, that way of him integrating with the community. He, he's on no one's terms but his own. Yeah, right. And the, and the value of his work is sort of completely self-evident. Yeah. Even as, it's not like a thousand people did it before him. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it, there's a purity to it that's great where it helps you in a non-conceptual way and in a conceptual way. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, and I think, yeah, similarly, I'm, I'm interested in that. So, so in this case, you know, I mean, you could just get, like you could get a little orange vest and stuff <laughs> and fill it in, a, in this exact same way that the city would. Yeah. I mean, that would certainly be one possibility. Yep. Or you could fill it in a way that... Um, maybe the city wouldn't be capable of that reflects what bikers really need. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of what I, so one of the things I sort of spoke to in this post I made about, so, so sorry, I should outline this for a second for people listening. So mm-hmm. a person popped their tire in the same exact spot. I popped my tire a couple of years ago and I was like, Oh, it's that pothole. And it's this like magically small spherical hole in the ground that like, mm-hmm no car tire would ever be affected by but if you ride a bike right. and you happen to hit it right in the right way you're totally doomed and um that's what happened to me and that's what happened to this person and and so i was like i gotta f- so what i w- want to do is i want to tell the city please fill this pothole because i just saw the second person get affected by this and i'm sure other people have too Long story short is I go to the website to try to fill it out and you actually can't describe the problem. You can only just just give them the address of where the pothole is and it's like uh-huh. no no person in a white city truck is going to get out and be like, oh, there it is. That's the problem because they're not going to understand that it's only relevant to a certain type of transportation mode, you know? Yeah. Um, so I uh, was like, dang it, I can't. I don't, I can't actually convey this problem to the city because there's no way they don't give me a tool to do that. And so mm-hmm. I think what I'm gonna have to do is call them. But in the meantime, I was thinking of just like spray painting a big warning on the ground saying like, look out for the pothole. <laughs> you could also make it bigger. I can make it bigger. That's true. That's true. I could enlarge the problem in order to, for people that certain type of person to understand it. Yeah. Put a, put a large spike in it and then that yeah. way people yeah. will avoid yeah. it. <laughs> I think that that kind of plays into the unauthorized repairs thing where it might be more effective towards the ultimate repair to make it worse. And then, right? Cuz and then it just depends on like what's your frame of reference? Is it is it better in the next 5 minutes or is it better, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the next 5 weeks or months or whatever. 
one of the challenges with this project for me is it's very easy when you're busy to be like, I'll just spend some money and that will be my noble act for the day or whatever, you know? Ah, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. And I did that once, um, almost immediately out the gate. And, first entry. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I got to really think about that. You know, like how quickly we swap money in for time or for thinking mm-hmm. about something. And so I'm trying to not do that, but I'm sure it'll come up every now and then. Which is not necessarily the worst thing. I mean, you know, organiza- I, I think sure, you make an right. interesting yeah. case yeah. in that post to show the different ways your money can be instrumentalized yeah. around the Vietnam documentary on PBS yep. and how purchasing the DVD and the equivalent cost when applied to the PBS itself might have a different effect. Yeah, right, right. Oh, by the, by the way, the, the book is worth reading. I think I may have said that before, but it's, it's good. It, like I'm, I'm definitely like excited to read the rest. I will trade you that book for the Hobbit. All right, let's I'll do it. Do. Yep. <laughs> I was thinking it might be interesting too to, to for you to be the one that's generating these prompts, and then you're asking other people to complete them. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. Or you know, I would, or, or that you're all working on them together. You know, like you give the prompt, and then there's some time, and and you and every like other people in the project are working on and then you kind of i guess it's it, it's meta we could even we could even make a podcast about that yeah <laughs> what would i call it um <laughs> i would call it non-opposable fingers mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. that is an excellent idea my friend <laughs> if only we so, had uh, an idea for the next <laughs> next episode yeah mm. speaking of which steven Lay it on us, and if it's um, well, I I don't want to. Are are we are we allowed us to, to um, blow on the topic a little bit to make a suggestion? No, of where oh it yeah, might land? No. yeah, you, you should. Cause no, no. <laughs> Rob says no, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything. Uh, how does this work? Do you want me to just pull something out of a hat? And Oh, if you you don't have any ideas off the top, oh. so so basically we're just looking for a challenge for the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the big divisions we've seen is that some are very uh, conceptual and some are very practical. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to think about it. Yep. Like uh, one was whiteness, right? Mm-hmm. And then another one was paperclip and two by four. Yep. So that's that's one way to go about it. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's always oh. the two I use too to describe the difference between different people. Oh yeah, yeah. nice. Oh, I feel like I have so many weird ideas right now. What name uh, three of them? All right. One is braiding. Going back to our braiding belts. <laughs> oh. The other is ice cream, but I don't. Okay. I don't <laughs> think that's gonna weave well into this. Um, well, I. I mean that, but not yeah, weaving sure. well might mean weaving well. Yeah. That's the third one. Uh, there is no third one. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much the two. That was two. Yeah. No, I I know what it should be. I I think it should be improvisation because I think in a way that's that's kind of what oh. what I'm doing right now, trying to come up with something. And in a way, this how what we're doing is kind of this back and forth, like very Chicago. Yeah. Yes. So just oh, yes, right. it, it's a pretty open topic so i think there's there's enough 
And I don't want to make you guys like make braided belts or something like that. I feel like <laughs> I just might head of ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I think that's something that I, that I'm, um, I'm really interested in exploring too. Like from the, the creative side, I think, um, especially with art and, or I, I'd say more with design, I feel like I don't get to improvise as much like, or like, you know, uh-huh. um, I'll say this. It's time-based improv- improvisation. So, mm-hmm. like, because I feel like, you know, in um, when you're working on a on like a uh, a design or something, yeah, you're restricted by time, but it's not like kind of a you're not responding to something necessarily real time. It's it's sort of like you you have a deadline, and it's like you can go and just and drop it off, and like here's the thing. But I want I want to explore something that's like involves this kind of interaction between you know multiple parties. Hmm. Interesting. So, so the official challenge is time-based improvisation. Yeah, that's great. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Do we have a guest for next time, Rob? Because that might be part of the improvisation. <laughs> I ask you the same thing, so I guess we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> awesome. Time-based yeah. improvisation. That's cool. Excellent. I'm excited about that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Steven, do you have anything you wanted to share? Like anything you're into? Tools, music, videos? Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around some of the new stuff that Adobe released. Um, just like, when was it? Yesterday or the day before? Um, yeah. Yeah. All the, like, I feel like every time Creative Cloud gets updated, I, I kind of have to figure out if I'm doing everything the correct way or like if every, like my workflow is totally outdated. Uh-huh. Uh, so <laughs> what did they release uh just a lot of improvements like i think photoshop there's uh, like more brushes and I, I think there's a whole like brush library and there's there i guess they're pushing xd which is like a user yep. like experience design kind of kit which i i mean i feel like that that territory is still like it's it's open like i don't know who's going to become the king yep. of that space so I, mm-hmm. that's um yeah, I, th- I think there was there's some other things. I, I also know um, Cinema 40 has like a a plugin in Illustrator now where you can edit 3D images in from Cinema within Illustrator. It's like I don't know. I, I feel like I uh, need to go back to school or something. You know. Hey man, you're a professor. That means you know it all. Uh, true, <laughs> true that, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, Adobe XD has such a such an uphill crawl. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. It's been in beta for freaking ever. Like yeah. Sketch has been killing it. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. But then Envision I, just came out with their own tools. So. Yeah, I just saw that too. So I, I don't know. I feel like someone's gonna take uh, take the yeah. prize. I don't know who it's gonna be, but it'll probably be not the one that I've I I, I thought would win, and I'll be stuck with yeah. like the wrong software. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, do you have anything you want to share? Yeah, I've I've there's been a couple of things I've been into. I've been reading this book, uh Autonomous by Annalie Newitz. Oh, um yeah. Cool. I, I I can't remember all of her cred, but I think she's uh one of the editors at Ars Technica and has this like really long resume. Um it's I've been really digging it, although there's sort of two plot arcs one of them I find. Do you ever do you ever read something where you feel like, oh, this is just what the like this is how the author it's wish fulfillment for the author, you know? Um, 
So one of the plot arcs is like that, but the other one is this great thing about this uh, self-aware robot that becomes aware that its military um, partner, who's a human, might want to have sex with it, and then it's trying to like figure out uh, how to make its partner happy without but he's homophobic and it's just like this oh it's it's it's, there's this fantastic element but i find myself like every other chapter just like waiting and waiting to get to the robot part because that's like the best (laughs) the best part of the book uh and then also i'm really into um i've been developing out some stuff for the node mcu which is this little dev board that implements the esp 2866 which is a little wi-fi uh unit um so you can get these boards on Amazon. They're about nine bucks, but at uh, AliExpress, they're like two or three dollars. Wow! And it's effectu- basically like an Arduino that also has uh, internet capability, or at least Wi-Fi capability. Um, but I'm working with um, actually one of our earlier uh, guests, Nick Botranger, mm-hmm. uh, to work out one of those projects. So check those guys out. The uh, what's that Node called? MCU. No, Node MCU. Node MCU, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and if anyone's interested in the um, in the GitHub repo, it's uh, we well, can look at Taylor Hokinson, but the project is called CA Ain't because <laughs> we're we're looking at making like a like a hacker badge um, to run in parallel with the College Art Association conference, but without you know all the sort of official channels. Although I don't know, I mean, I I, I might talk to those guys and see if they're interested. Rev, what are you what are you interested in right now? Got a couple things. I've got um, I've got a podcast to uh, join the uh, Ken Burns uh, and Lynn Novak's documentary Vietnam. It's called LBJ's mm-hmm. War, and it's like a podcast kind of um, almost. It just like dives into LBJ and sort of um, more about the Vietnam War. And it's um it's it's pretty intense. It's it's interesting because you know it's a podcast, so it's audio only, and it's real interesting. They really do a great job, sort of weaving in um, audio from LBJ and from news footage and stuff in a way that is is as um, descriptive as seeing um, uh, video footage and, and still photography. So it's it's a really cool sort of study in how how you can effectively use sound. Um. It's a PRI podcast. It's called LBJ's War. Um, every little thing I talked about before, that's um, Flora Lickman's podcast on, on Gimlet, and that's the, the latest episode is Who Killed Cargo Shorts. Um, the other thing I've been into, which is a thing I've known about for a while but never used, is, um, and now it's like one of those things, like once you've used it, you're like, why did I wait so long? And it's, um, it's Superglue Accelerator, or activator. Um, so super glue, the like sort of, um, general kind of broad brush broke stroke term for super glue is cyanoacrylate glue. Um, oh, you're talking about actual glue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super glue. Yeah. 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 And what kind of app is this Rob? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and so super glue, if, when you use it, at least every time I use it, I think like, oh, this will dry in just a second. And then it's not dry, it's not dry, it's not dry, it's not dry. And then I like stop holding the piece and then I get super glue on my fingers and then this now the thing is stuck. Like it sticks way more 
quickly to your fingers than anything else. But CA Accelerator is the spray that you spray it onto the thing. Like you super glue the two pieces together and then you spray the joint and it makes super glue bond like instantly. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and I think what happens is, is um, I don't know the chemistry behind it and I should have looked. But I think kind of what happens is, is once once the chemical reaction sort of starts to happen, that immediate bonding of the CA glue will kind of shoot through the, it's almost like a crystallization process or something, you know, where it sort of mm-hmm. doesn't require air necessarily to um, accelerate the the bond. But it's so great because you can literally just like use super glue as like almost kind of perma glue gun kind of concept, you know, where you can just like take two pieces, lay a strip of super glue down, spray, stick them together and then run a spray video right now. And it is really amazing. And I have spent so much time wishing super glue actually acted like this, you know? Um, so this dude online, he's, he's applying super glue to one side to one piece and the spray to the other piece, and then, and then sticking when he them sets together down the first piece. Yeah, it's just instant. Wow, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. It's you can get it online. Um, you can't get it at a home store as I know it. I've, I've definitely looked at a bunch. Just every time I think about it, I'm in like Home Depot or something, and I'm like, no, they don't have it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's really great stuff. It's I mean, it's not super cheap. It's like maybe fifteen bucks for the can. Um, but you don't have to use a lot. So it's it's definitely worth it. Stick fast is the the kind I have. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's uh, it definitely makes you think about super glue very differently than. Wow, that's yeah, that's cool. It, yeah, and so that's that's not even by the makers of super glue though. Some other company was like, you know what, we can make this better. Probably right. so. Yeah, that's a, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. I think I think woodworkers buy super glue in a sort of bigger. Um container you know like uh-huh. i definitely have like the, the little super glue things but i think you can get it from like rockler or someone like a woodworking thing and you can get like a more sort of elmer's glue style container of it which i imagine in the accelerator is even more useful because you can lay down you know like a bead of it or something but mm-hmm. i first heard about it because like youtube kind of maker people you know like they crank out like a video a day and so or a video a week. And so they've just got to like jam through certain things that they can't, they can't like wait to be like, okay, I'm going to clamp everything up and then come back in a day. Um, mm-hmm. So they use CA glue a lot to like join stuff together quickly so they can just keep their shoot going and then do their edits and stuff. But, and I was like, Oh, I should try that. It seems like, and then when I made a, a couple weeks ago for the opposable thumbs, I made this arrow and it's super glued together and it was I mean, an, an, almost an hour of me intermittently like holding a piece to a piece and hoping the thing would glue, would dry and set that up. Oh, so you just found out about this stuff? Yeah, yeah, just found out about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some last week, and it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, cool. Uh, so you can find photos and links to our finished projects at our project site called projects.opposablepodcast.com. Uh, we'll also have a lot of cool links in the show notes. I think especially this episode, we'll have a bunch of links in there. Uh, and we should also be posting some stuff to our Instagram account this weekend uh, so that you see cool photos of stuff there. Uh, Steven's project's got some really nice graphics, so, so that'll be good for the uh, Instagram. Um, we can send you an opposable thumb sticker if you'd like one. Just uh, send us your address and let us know that you shared an episode, and we'll send you a sticker. Uh, shout out to Wolf Mask for making our 
awesome opposable thumbs logo and thanks to nick our top patreon supporter if you'd like to join nick in the league of patreon supporter badasses please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us uh we have a code of conduct on the site our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment free experience for everyone regardless of race gender age sexual orientation disability physical appearance body size knowledge of subject matter or religion or lack thereof we actively support an inclusive environment and we want you to be a part of it thanks for listening to the podcast we're psyched to have you on board and we're excited to see what you're creating so definitely send us uh, anything you're working on photos videos text-based descriptions it's very inspiring and like really helps us stay motivated to make stuff when we see other people making stuff. So please send it along. Steven, thank you for being our guest this episode. Thanks again for having me. Yeah. The Russian botnet is really into our podcast. Oh, yeah? I don't know. <laughs> Why wouldn't they be? There's a whole bunch of light bulbs in Kansas that are listening to our podcast. Yes. <laughs> Maybe you've got to use some of your uh, Estonian um, catchphrases or, oh, or whatnot. You know, that's do, what we need yeah, to do. Do some marketing. Bump, bump up the SEO in Estonia. Yeah, for sure.